Um, okay, we've got a cup of tea in hand. Does that look all right? Not too informal. All right. Well, uh, welcome everyone to the Guardians of the, of the Flame podcast. Uh, it's uh, just brilliant to be doing a series of uh, filmed podcasts uh, for this latest season. We're really grateful for the Community Relations Council, who's kind of helping to fund these uh, and help so we can make them the, the, get the quality as good as possible. And during the season, we're interviewing a just a bunch of really interesting people, really gifted um, kind of humans in their own respects, from musicians to activists to journalists. And it is a real pr privilege to be sitting here in the courtyard of Colm Sands and to be with you, Colm, um, uh, in Rostrevor. Uh, if you, for those of you from overseas, Rostrevor is a beautiful village, right? Um, in, in the south county down um, we look over Carlingford Lock to what is politically the Republic of Ireland um, and uh, it's a it's a beautiful scene um, uh, behind the house here is an ancient oak forest um, and it's that's become a, a kind of a scene for a, a lot of columns your current activism and so it'd be good in this interview to talk about that and sure. um, here but uh, many listening will have heard of the music of the Sands family and heard of your own music. And uh, during this interview, we'd just love to kind of hear a bit more of your story. And um, and especially for those who may not have, you know, maybe from overseas, but half the people who listen to these podcasts come from somewhere else in the world. Um, of course, you have a big audience around the world. But um, for some of you listening, you may not have heard. Colm Sands is a brilliant uh, musician, I, I suppose a poet, wordsmith, um, and, uh, and, an, and an activist, and uh, a good friend and a great human. So it's thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, Colin. Thank you, Johnny. It's great to see you here and to be part of this series. Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, the Sands family, are, uh, one of Ireland's best-loved folk music bands. You You sing everything from kind of incredibly humorous kind of light-hearted music to uh, nostalgic reflections on the past or youth to more political contributions about the troubles or reconciliation um, there's so much breadth in, in in the music as a family that you play and that you yourself play um, uh, I'd just love you to kind of start by reflecting on some of those early years for yourself growing up in a small village called Mayo Bridge. Um, what was life like there and how did life there contribute to the, the life that you now live as a musician? And um, I, I'd say it's very important in informing how I turned out or how I am turning out. Uh, Mayo Bridge is, is a small village. We were about two miles from there. So it's very quiet kind of road, small farms and, um, you know, someone a couple of hundred yards away would be a close neighbour, you know. So mm -hmm. I remember first when people came to visit us from other countries, we'd always been telling them stories about our neighbours and they saw that the house was fairly isolated and they said, we don't, we don't see any neighbours around here at all. But so it's quite uh, scattered at the time. but. In other ways, very close uh, farming community, people helped each other out, mm -hmm. and um, electricity wasn't around at the time, so there was a lot of um, entertainment was done live. 
people just came in, they, they probably didn't know it was entertainment, they just came in and did what they did, they told stories of what they'd been doing that day or what happened a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. They would mix in ghost stories, you know, whatever seemed to be the right thing at that particular night. Mm-hmm. And there would often be songs thrown in as well. Uh, both our parents played music, father played the fiddle and my mother played a bit of accordion, but mostly they were into songs and um, I suppose it, it's lovely to be on a, on a program that's under the mantle of uh, Guardians of the Flame because in a way people at that time, the, the flame literally keeping the fire going, you mm. know, that, that was the difference between life and death mm. in, in the winter, mm. keeping that kind of flame going. Mm. There was also the, the kind of flame or the spirit within people in really tough times. We think we're living through hard mm. times now and we are in mm. certain ways. Mm. but people at that time, just even to launch into a song, you know, people hadn't, they had almost nothing money-wise, and it was a struggle, you know, as many, many people will know about that kind of thing today for different reasons. Mm. But just the whole idea that someone would feel like throwing back their head and singing a song, Mm. uh, I always thought was a wonderful thing. Even then, you know, people that would come in and tell their story and sing their song as the saying would go past themselves mm. and that that became very much the fabric of our lives growing up mm. and i think has always been a part of our i mean the whole family uh, and mine of our lives and you know as a performer tra- traveling around you're or even in, in any sphere of life, you, you have a story, you know, whether it's in music or in religion, you know, people, they want a story. Where did we come from? Where are we going to? Uh, and what's the best story around? Is your story the right one? Or could there be other stories that are pretty close, you know? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've always been fascinated by that in my uh, travels as a musician yeah, around yeah, the place. Yeah. But yeah, just briefly, the answer is that was a very important time in my life and still is. Yeah. And I'm always struck by when I'm around um, yourself or your sister Anne, the incredible knowledge of quantity of songs, of folk songs. Like they just in a way that I think nowadays we kind of team, seem to forget, but it's, was it, did you sing them so many times or somehow these, just those stories are kind of so in you that like I could talk to your sister and she'll remember some song from years and years ago. Yes, songs have a wonderful way of embedding themselves within you. I'm not even sure if it's in the normal part of your memory. Mm. You, you know that way you have people who live to an age where they, they don't remember the names of their children, they don't mm. even remember mm. their own name, mm. but they remember a song, mm. which makes me believe that songs somehow enter us through a, a, another, mm. and it's some kind yeah. of other way, and we store them in another way. It's maybe mm. that whole thing of marrying a tune with with words that often have been thought out very carefully even i shouldn't say even the old traditional songs are so Mm. beautifully created Mm. with a mindfulness towards you know vowels consonants Mm. rhymes Mm. all of that makes a song into something very very powerful Mm. that if it hasn't been written or performed sort of in a flippant way Mm. it will stay with you 
Um, just kind of going back into the the history of uh, your family's music, when you, I've heard um, from your brother Tommy's perspective of how he was coming back from studying uh, for the priesthood at one point and kind of coming back and finding you, the rest of his family in a van about to set off on a tour. What, what's your memory of why did you kind of get into it? It was your brother Ben and your late brother Dino and sister Anne and then of course Tommy and yourself. What's your memories of how you started off and why you just... Well, it, it was very much, first of all, just, just singing the, the way you would breathe almost. It was part of life, like you were singing when you were working in the fields and mm. uh, in the evenings and all of that. And then we were beginning to play, you know, there'd be these sessions in the house where people would drop in and sing and you go to neighbors' houses. And um, we just got, I think we started off singing in local concerts and then um, moving out into bigger places, and but I don't ever remember it being a planned thing. It seemed to just evolve, <laughs> and uh, like when there was a time where you'd be trying to phone people to organise concerts, uh, and my brother Tommy did a lot of that. Maybe nearly all of it. That meant jumping on a bike and riding three, but three miles to the nearest phone box with a your uh, pocket <laughs> full of pennies, you know, to try and yeah, push yeah. pennies to into book the book a few fun. concerts and... Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was amazing. And there would be people that would come in cars or, you know, with messages, will you come and play at this place or that mm -hmm. place? We didn't have a phone. Mm -hmm. And um, so it, it evolved in that way. But I suppose the big step was when we entered a competition in Dublin and the, the first prize was to play in New York for three weeks and we won that. So that was a big, mm. a big... Uh, step along mm. the way for That's us. It's kind of like an Ireland's Got Talent or something or uh, yeah. somehow you won. Yeah, it was something, you, there were a few, lots of those talent competitions as they called them at the time and they still are and um, it was good. It was, you would mm. see all, you might be competing against a juggler or a wrestler or right. yeah, <laughs> there yeah. were all kinds of people turned up on those mm. and um, I, I suppose it is whoever did their thing mm. with the most conviction, maybe mm. conveyed a sense of fun and enjoyment, which we certainly had, apart from mm. maybe being nervous mm. at, the, at the whole idea of the competition. Mm. But yeah, that, that was how, how it kind of evolved from mm. just singing around the fire or in neighbors' houses mm. to playing on stages all over the world. Wow. And then, of course, as you uh, as a family started to play, it was the late 60s would have been when you started. Yeah. And yeah. then, of course, the Troubles in Northern Ireland really started uh, in 1969. So then that formed the, the kind of the backdrop of, of a lot of those years of touring and writing music and life. Um, uh, what's some of your memories of particularly those 70s, which were, you know, really uh, probably the worst years, I suppose, of the Troubles with um, uncertainty and this kind of new normal of bombs and bomb scares and... Uh, what were some of your memories in terms of how that affected you, you all as a, as a band? Uh, it was a very difficult time for everyone and just simple things in terms of music, uh, you know, going out to play, you'll be stopped very often, maybe all the instruments taken out of the car on a wet night and mm. things like that. And th then there was this kind of awkwardness that arose between neighbours, even in the same community, you know, because one went one way on a Sunday and the other went another way and they went to different schools. And so on. Um, the neighbours who lived across the kind of 
the march ditch, the dividing line mm. from our farm and the next. They, as, as we say around here, they, they dug with the other foot. Mm. So although we went to different schools and different churches, um, we helped each other out in the, you know, in the things that farmers do, just planting mm. and raping crops mm. and gathering in potatoes and stuff. I, I wrote, I sing a bit of it, it's just a song called The March Ditch, which uh, sort of looks back to those days. So The March Ditch, for people that don't know, it's that dividing line between two properties and often a cause of great dispute at local level, just as a, a border might be at international level. Mm. I sat beside the March Ditch when I was very small I could hear the neighbors working in the field behind the wall. Farmers' children like ourselves, hungry mouths to feed. And spring was calling from the soil, it's time to sow the seeds. Spring was calling from the soil, it's time to sow the seeds. I pled beside the march ditch. Four or five, a thrush told all the neighbors, It's good to be alive. The corn was shooting through the soil as we ran to and fro, and people working in the fields watched their children grow. People working in the fields watched their children grow. different creeds our orders now were all the same it's time to pull the weeds our orders now were all the same it's time to pull the weeds and at 17 the march ditch heard me sing a song turning hay on both sides now as the days were turning long we had a break in august Theirs was in July, but when one drop of rain would fall, we'd all look at the sky. When one drop of rain would fall, we'd all look at the sky. I sat beside the March Ditch when I was 25. My heart was feeling empty as the fields before my eyes. We'd heard it on the radio. Another senseless death But when it comes so close to home It chills like winter's breath When it comes so close to home It chills like winter's breath I look across the march ditch And every day I see Someone on the other side Who looks a lot like me To share this earth between us how long does it need? But spring is calling from the soil. It's time to sow the seeds. 
Spring is calling from the soil It's time to sow the seeds Marvellous um, You uh, took over a, a, a the folk club uh, BBC, BBC Radio Ulster kind of uh, um, radio program um, uh, so you've actually had a long history really in kind of uh, working behind the microphone, interviewing others and discovering music. Um, do you feel like when you, when you kind of reflect on those years that there's good music being made and there's kind of like I sometimes feel like we're uh, music is being dumbed down a wee bit nowadays and uh, you know we still in a, an age where people can write songs that can really kind of open up the human condition and the soul and well it's a very good question i mean songs are around for all kinds of reasons i think of some of the songs for example that people would have been singing in our house when we were growing up mm. uh, be a song maybe in celebrate a love song a song in celebration of place there's a, a neighbor man used to come in he was a, an ex-postman and he used to sing uh, and it, the spirit in his singing, he didn't have a, a guitar or anything, he just found all the, mm-hmm. the, the rhythm inside the words and the tune. And um, he had lost an arm um, in, a, in a threshing machine accident. And uh, I'm sure his life wasn't easy, mm-hmm. but he had this spirit around him. And, and um, he, uh, although he had only one arm, he was a very good singer. You know, he could mm-hmm. sing better than some people with two arms. Yeah, but yeah. he would... Uh, you just lash into a song. Sure as I went out one morning, all in the month of May, down by yon flowery garden, I carelessly did. And you'd take a drink then, and then you'd continue stray. <laughs> I met the lovely damsel, and so on. He was, yeah. There's that kind of singing. There's people singing funny songs, people taking fairly, maybe ordinary songs and making them sound yeah. funny just lifting people's spirits yeah. uh, songs have always been written to you know express joy sorrow uh, folk songs i think have often mm. carried the story of the folk and the time mm. and the period they're living through there are songs that are written to be ensure that they're only three minutes because some thought in radio production would think that unless you hear the presenter's voice every three minutes the the world will stop turning and you know then they mightn't play it they might look at timings and decide Mm. whether the song is going to be played or Mm. not just by looking at the time that's another Mm. kind Mm. of song Uh, we march around supermarkets and time Mm. to music that's sort of Mm. thought out very carefully to Mm. calm you down or maybe point you towards a particular shelf there are so many forms of music classical music as it's called as well um, you know where there's a lot of thought has gone into arrangement and that kind of thing and composition but uh, I, I do think it's really important to have songs that express the time we live in again getting back to that idea of people telling their story it's so important to tell your story mm-hmm. and to have someone to listen to you telling mm-hmm. your story whether that's in to a set to a mm-hmm. tune or just somebody that needs to talk like at this particular time now um, you know we're sitting here talking during the the COVID time and people aren't allowed to get together and we're sitting quite a distance apart and you know if you go out and meet people on the on the you know on the forest trails or on the street they'll keep their distance but people so much need to talk Mm. about what's happening to them so the song is a very important Mm. uh, form of doing that and I think Mm. there could be far more songs written that take a fairly you know you know that 
take a thoughtful look at what is going on around us. Of course, mm. you need funny songs mm. and love songs mm. and all of that. But, you know, if you regard yourself as, as part of nature, which we are, you know, we are part of nature and nature mm. is part of us. Um, if, for example, that is under threat, um, then, of course, uh, that is one thing that should could be sung about, talked about. If, if there's a kind of virus like greed, which is... Mm causing people to put their own interests before everything else, you know, and this only see opportunities of mm. profit in every situation, mm. in every part of nature or in every situation mm. like now, uh, where, you know, there are people looking at the COVID time and seeing ways to, to make money out of mm. that. that. That is part of mm. human nature. But I think it's very important to try and uh, keep some form of mm. balance and that we, we do need to make money to live but um, mm. when it becomes the most important thing mm. it can really disrupt other people's lives that, yeah. that's an understatement I'd say yeah. and so you're talking about storytelling uh, one of the things uh, I mentioned in the documentary we made was um, our identities are what um, make us different our stories are what make us the same and um, I think it, it does seem to be that um, really gifted folk musicians and I've, certainly when I've been to a Sands Family concert or when I've seen you play, the audience could be from different parts of the world, they could be from Protestant Catholic background or no faith whatsoever, but they can all sit there and laugh and maybe cry or resonate with the stories that you're, you're singing about. Um, and that is, I mean, that's a real gift that I think your family have. Um, and uh, I wonder... Um, I suppose the other side of music and is not just the kind of the storytelling, but is is that kind of stronger message? Um, you could call it the prophetic tradition, or that kind of um, you know, like a Pete Seeger, um, "This Machine Kills Fascists" or whatever he had written on his guitar. You know, he was very aware that he wasn't just telling a story; he was he was speaking a message that was. Um, or was that Pete Seeger? Or am I, am I, I think mixing? it's. Um, um, I'm, I'm Willie Guthrie. Willie, yeah, Willie yeah, Guthrie. Yeah, yeah. Willie Guthrie. But anyway, yeah, I'm but sure Pete said Pete, it as well. Pete had, uh, him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've, that's the second uh, kind of faux pas I've made this morning in interviews. <laughs> but uh, okay. yeah, Woody Guthrie, and then but Pete Seeger also. Where have all the flowers gone? And it kind of, it kind of, it's storytelling, it's song, but it's speaking about something very significant and important, and quite often quite powerful. So the March Ditch song, you're you're. It's, you're telling a story, but you're somehow tapping into a real reality in a society that was kind of falling apart. Um, is there another example maybe of during those years or, or more recently where you've kind of written a song that kind of felt like you were just connecting to people's lives, but also saying something quite important that needed to be heard? Um, well, sometimes you write songs that seem to last across quite a, a sphere of time, you know. Uh, songs maybe written 20, 30, maybe more <laughs> years ago seem to become relevant again. There, there's so much um, confusion in the world at the moment, often deliberately generated, you know. Mm. I think people are very easy to control if they're confused mm. or frightened. And uh, people there's this kind of helplessness sets in in that situation and people kind of get afraid even to say things, mm. afraid to express their opinion. 
And I wrote a song about that way back in the 19, probably 1970s. And it, it, it is built around an expression that's used here these days, um, or was used back in those days. Whatever you say, say nothing. And I remember we were touring with the Sands family and we were in a, in a Catholic area of Germany. And I, I wouldn't really have thought... Uh, you know, I don't go around thinking, is this a Catholic area or a Protestant area? But it was brought to uh, our attention. The, the, it's a late night chat with the owner of an old kind of inn. And most of the customers had gone home, but he was interested in us because we had come from where we live here, you know. But he was quite nervous as a, as a Protestant because he was living in a Catholic area. Mm. And I remember he said, um, I suppose, you know, who I'm talking about if I say ML. And um, we didn't pick that up right away, you know. I said, you know, Martin Luther. <laughs> so I thought that that's amazing. I, I can't remember how many hundred years ago that was since he had been around, but that someone felt he still had to whisper his name. Mm-hmm. And there was this whole thing here of people being afraid to to speak their mind for one way, you know, for one reason or another. So I wrote this song. Whatever you say, say nothing. When you speak about, you know what. For if you know who should hear you, you know what you'll get. They'll take you off to you know where, for you wouldn't know how long. So for you know who's sick, don't let anyone hear you singing this song. And you all know what I'm speaking of when I mention you know what. And it goes on like that, you know who, and so on. And uh, uh, I've been singing the song in all kinds of places, like in, in Berlin when there was still a wall there, mm. uh, in Jerusalem where there is a wall. Mm. And, you know, in the States during the, the this still kind of the Trump era, but earlier on as well, I remember people dropping their voices when they were talking about certain political things because mm. they weren't sure who might be around. Mm. And uh, so a song like that can kind of make Mm. fun of it and help people to laugh I also love the power of cartoons you know mm. someone can make a drawing maybe put a couple of words on it and you look at it and you say yeah that mm. hits the nail on the head mm. so uh, a song I like a song kind of cartoon mm. type song that says something makes you smile and then kind of sets mm. you thinking you know mm. about and I, I was singing that just because I happen to be in, involved quite a lot in in um among a group of her trying to develop an interest in, in looking after nature, you know, and especially protecting it from people who object to the laws that have been put in place to protect nature. Uh, I, I've found myself around high courts and things in recent times, and I did that with a few people from Extinction Rebellion, that song outside the courthouse in Belfast, mm. because uh, there, there is a, a kind of be very careful what you say in the court or what you mm. say about the courts, and with good reason, of course. Mm. But uh, if, if you have a situation like here, for example, this story that kind of brought me into a, a deeper level of looking at how nature and, and therefore us is being treated, 
Mm. Um, just a story of an invisible tree in the forest up here, just behind us. Mm. It's a very old oak wood. It's, it's been mapped like in 1602 as a very old wood even then. Mm. And ancient woodland has, you know, carries forms of life that you won't get in newly planted woodland. Mm. And uh, so a, a tree consultant, a doctor, He's a doctor, so this mm. man would would be respected. Mm. And he drew up a report, and sections of the forest appeared to go missing from the maps. And one particular tree, mm. like he did a report for trees that actually um, were adjacent to the site, mm. and he listed a few. But one particular tree, which wasn't only adjacent, it was actually overhanging the site, and therefore its roots would be underneath, mm. and its crown would be in the site. Mm. And that tree wasn't there, and. I, it set me thinking, does this kind of thing happen a lot? Mm. This man, in a sense, he is a kind of guardian of nature. He is an expert on trees. He's studied trees for 40 years. Mm. If he's called in to identify trees, you have to believe that he recognizes an oak tree mm. after 40 years mm. experience, even specializing in broad leaf trees. Mm. And it's not there. So mm. there's a very crude form of humor. I mean, a primal form of humor that's used in pantomime and mm. circus. You know, the clown comes out mm. and there's somebody behind him that's about to jump on him mm. and he pretends he doesn't know they're there. Or in the pantomime, mm. you know, there's some threat behind the character in the center mm. of the stage and the audience starts shouting, he's behind you. And mm. he says, oh, no, he's not. Oh, yes, he is. And that, that's the cheapest laugh in town. Yeah. So, this is where you pretend you don't see something mm. or pretend you don't know mm. something. So to me, anyone mm. in, in any form, whether it's as a consultant or in a courtroom, mm. pretends not to see something that mm -hmm. is there or pretends mm. to see something that isn't there. You know, mm. it, it's, mm. uh, I think that is a form of clowning yeah. and, it, and it's well worth a bit of humor. Yeah. So, you, you yeah. know, you could make all kinds of serious speeches yeah. about it or you could look for ways to, um, yeah. to tell the story again in yeah. another way through, through the power of song. Yeah. And it almost is more powerful. You know, if you just simply report something you can miss, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like a, a cartoonist in the in a newspaper, you know, a picture of uh, America as a puppet master and, you know, certain other countries kind of in proxy proxy wars, you know, that cartoon graphically can picture something very true about, uh, you know, um, uh, kind of international relations in a way that if you just report the fact of, oh, such and such prime minister met another one and this happened and this, you're missing actually a deeper story. And I think it's the same way. You write a song about it, you're actually able to speak the truth in a way that we sometimes miss when it's right there in yeah, front of us. Yeah, I think us. it's a great, a great, um, it's, it's one of the great powers of song and it makes mm. it very enjoyable as, as something to listen to when someone kind of hits the nail on the head or mm. to to sing or you know to sing a song like whatever you say say nothing but actually says nothing at all mm. but to see an audience yeah. nodding and yeah. smiling and they know exactly what you mean yeah. i love that I yeah that yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. so um you know i said at the beginning we we live in a very beautiful area and in the last couple of years you've really kind of got much more involved in, um, I mean, I think there's always been an involvement in environmental activism, but much more in the last couple of years, particularly focused on Ross Trevor. Um, 
So, I mean, years ago, Joni Mitchell said, you don't know what you've got till it's, it's gone. Uh, they paved paradise, put up a parking lot. And um, it did seem like <clears throat> it could still be a scenario where in a beautiful village like this with an ancient oak wood, um, a place that C.S. Lewis said inspired him to write Narnia, the Narnia books, uh, that we could be looking at underground car parks and um, inner city developments and... Um, and you were talking about the plans that, that were, in, you know, drawn up and, and Oak Tree was just missing. It wasn't there. Um, and then you, you actually kind of have kind of made, it was like you, you saw the symbolism of an invisible tree because it kind of, it, it showed a lot more about the wider kind of principle of what was happening. Pe yeah. Things were being overlooked. Um, and then the, the invisible tree became uh, a, the tree of the year. Is that what happened? Yeah, it, it, well, it was, you know, lots of people got involved in this and mentioned cartoons, you know, cartoonists and painters and so on, and came up with some fantastic paintings. People started to visit the tree. And there is something about, you know, something really sinister about denying the existence of a life, whether mm. it's a tree or a person. Mm. And so you could say it's, it's, to, it's a form of gaslighting, mm -hmm. the, the, this new, fairly new word, mm -hmm. which is the, the process of trying to or persuade someone that what isn't true is true. Mm. And so people, people from all over the world came to the tree and they, they stood beside the tree and they looked at it and they touched it and they said, this is an oak tree. Mm. The, I heard all kinds of, I've heard it in 17 different languages from Rwanda, Holland, Mexico, mm. uh, of course, in Irish. Mm. And it's almost like, in that sense, I think nature could be compared to religion because everyone looked at this thing that we in English call an oak tree or dare in Irish. Uh, it, which gives, you know, the origin to so many place names like Derry and Ardara mm. and Kildare and so on. Mm. And, but people just come and they say, yeah, it's here. Mm. So that, that is a message going back to the person who said it isn't there. It also is reassurance because mm. you start, if, if, a, if a doctor mm. puts his name to something, mm. you, you start thinking, am I seeing things? Is that tree really there? So it's very reassuring mm. when people come and uh, mm -hmm. touch it and say, <laughs> this tree is here. So that, yeah, the, the Woodland Trust have a competition each year for the tree of the year. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, a few people said to us, why don't you nominate the mm -hmm. tree for the tree of the year award? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it won. And mm -hmm. the fact that a man came to the door here behind me one morning with very expensive cameras dangling around mm -hmm. his neck. And he said, I've come to take a photograph of the invisible tree. Mm -hmm. um, could you show me where it is? Mm. That, in that instant, I realized what a bizarre situation mm. we were challenging mm. and, and showing also the comical side of it, mm. that, that, that mm. these kind of consultants and so on mm. will, you know, mm. really risk their integrity mm. uh, completely mm. by signing their name to something, I, I suppose, mm. for mm. financial persuasion. Mm. I don't know why mm. they do it, but uh, I don't even care why they do it. Mm. The main thing is to... Um, assert the existence of that which is being denied. Mm. So mm. Uh, that is a fascinating mm. story. And we, we did all the things to kind of um, 
emphasize the existence of the tree, we collected oak galls from mm. the tree and we used a very ancient uh, process of making ink that was used to write the Magna Carta, which wow. is the closest thing there is to a written constitution in, in these parts. Um, and then it was used as well for writing the Book of Kells, for example, this thing. So you take the oak galls, you crush them up, you boil them with something like iron, mm. like rusty nails, and it mm. turns this beautiful mm. black ink. Mm. And then you can add in honey to help it flow. Mm. And uh, at, at a concert uh, one night in Ancoan, mm. uh, people came and they signed their names with this oak ink, just saying that this was ink from the tree. We have taken the case of the tree to the courts, lost um, uh, a judicial review, but are now trying to communicate with the Minister for Justice and the Lord Chief Justice. Uh, and some, we have written a poem, a letter, and made a short film. And um, uh, Miriam has written this up uh, in, in calligraphy in the form of a scroll. So we have asked the Lord Chief Justice for permission to present the scroll to him written in oak ink. Mm. Uh, and it's telling the story of, of many things, inclu including the invisible tree and also how in the courts, um, legal people uh, could see things which mm. weren't there mm. and uh, mm. couldn't see things which were there. Mm. And that's all written in the form of a poem, mm. uh, which can be seen on a website called Environmental Justice Network Ireland, EJNI.org. Okay. And it's called Rhyme for Justice with a question mark after it. Uh, so, brilliant. Yeah. brilliant. And, and so you're, you're really then touching on this bigger question of environment, environmentalism, um, the, the, the world we live in, the climate, um, and it shouldn't really be a battleground of is it true or not, but it seems in some parts, and certainly uh, Trump and Donald Trump and, and uh, many in America have kind of used a belief in climate science as a litmus test for whether you're somehow some kind of lost um hippie or you know a you know, more truthful conservative uh, and it just seems like truth is being lost in that whole thing and all the while we as humans are living on a planet that you know is losing its kind of a soul or losing its uh, the climate is is warming people species are dying out um and I, I suppose one of the things that we try to cover on this series is is looking at, at at brokenness in the world, divided societies and conflict, but the environment is one of these areas that maybe is more broken than anything. And maybe the reason is not because of a necessarily a religious belief or a particular tribal belief, it's because of often it's because of profit. We want more money and therefore it's conducive to cut down that forest to get such and such out of it. Um, and so I'm very kind of been brilliant to see your work beginning to evolve more and more in that field and developing a movement from these parts of people to kind of really be activists for small level de unjust developments like we're seeing here or the bigger levels of Amazon forests and Great Barrier Reefs and climate change. Yeah, I think the, just picking up on, on a couple of things you said, like the, even the term environmentalist is a strange one. The, the, mm. the term environment is a very cold term, I think. Mm. Uh, if you say nature, if you talk about a, you know, a hedge with birds singing in it or a field of barley waving in the wind, you can imagine nature. 
if you say environment or I say it either, it's, mm. it doesn't do much for me. Uh, there's also that suggestion, I suppose, in, in what you were musing on there, that environmentalists can be seen as hippies, you know. Mm. And an mm. environmentalist is someone who cares mm. for nature mm. around them. And uh, mm. if you ask yourself, what is the environment? Mm. I think Einstein's answer to that was, it's everything that isn't me. Mm. So, mm. so you are part of my mm. environment. I am mm. part of yours. And I had the occasion to do an interview recently with Edwin Putz, who's mm -hmm. the... Uh, Minister mm -hmm. for uh, Agricultural, Rural Affairs and the Environment. Now, you wouldn't regard him as a hippie. Mm -hmm. And I, I, whatever a hippie is, but I, anyway, <laughs> I, I thought at the beginning of the interview, I'd establish, you know, with that Cambridge uh, English Dictionary definition, someone who cares about the environment mm -hmm. or, or works for its protection, I said, would mm -hmm. you define yourself as an environmentalist? Mm. And he said, yeah, I would. Mm. How could anyone not be an environmentalist? Mm. I mean, we're 60% water. Mm. Uh, mm. If we stop breathing this air around us for three minutes, we're, mm. we're not here. Like mm. we're going the way mm. the oak leaves are going mm. into the ground and we're, we're mm. still part of the environment, but not mm. in the form where we can sit up in a chair and have a conversation. Mm. So I think that, that mm. taking the coldness out of the word environment mm. is really important mm. to see it more as nature, to see it as us. To damage the environment is to sit on the branch of a tree mm. and saw it mm. at the end towards the tree. Mm. Mm. Um, if you happen to be heavily um, invested in, if you happen to be heavily and if you happen <laughs> to be heavily invested, say have heavy investment in oil, mm. you will argue you'll spend millions upon saying it's a good idea to keep bringing oil up out of the ground or coal mm. up out of the ground. If you have lots of investment in arms, peace mm. is not good news. Mm. Mm. So as, as you mentioned, the whole profit thing, that, that, that is crucial. And, mm. and it's, it's just somehow getting people connected to nature again. Mm. In, in maybe there's never been a better year than this one for mm. that. Mm. You, you go out and you meet people on the roads and mm. they trails around Restreva here mm. and they all stop to talk about how beautiful it is and how mm. important it is. Mm. A town like Newry, which mm. has been trying very hard to get a green space area mm. in it. Mm. Um, I, I don't know how the vast number of acres of car parking spaces in Newry already and the council mm. are trying to push in the idea of more car mm. parks and mm. more office buildings mm. and so on. And in a year when uh, off, the whole idea of offices is being challenged. Mm. You know, people are working from home and so on. Mm. Um, I, I think that's a very interesting thing. And I think people are, there are lots of signs that young people are much more aware of this than people of my age. And, mm. and that, that, that gives me great hope. But the, the group here in Restrever, Rare Restrever Action Respecting Our Environment, in that letter I mentioned, to the Lord Chief Justice mm. and uh, the Minister for Justice. The, the, there are 25 people involved in that mm. aged from 9 to 92. Mm. And I think that's a very a mm. very good sign that mm. this has been recognised as being important across all ages. Mm. And uh, if people listening, they can also find some of more information. Uh, there's a Facebook group, uh, Rare, Rustrava yes. Reaction, Respecting and the Environment. Rare is only one of the many mm. groups. You know, mm. it's impossible to look at one 
again to use that word environmental case a local one and not see how mm. all of that connects mm. to other places so there, there are mm. environmental groups all over well all mm. over the world but mm. growing numbers here mm. and any when there's any sign i suppose that our elected uh, representatives are answering to the needs of the corporate mm. rather than the electorate mm. I, I think that people catch on to that very fast mm. and just a year ago and health workers were taken to the streets in the rain trying mm. to get um, Stormont mm. out of the self furlough mm. period of three mm. years which it had been in mm. just to get back and do some work so mm. I think there, there is a, a, a change the, the march ditch, the old orange-green things here, which were so important and still are to some extent, I believe they will be replaced by a, a, rec a, a recognition of the fact that we really need to start looking after nature. Uh, mm. We don't want to drink orange water or green water mm. or breathe orange mm. air or green air. Uh, we, we want clean air, clean mm. water, safe soil. Mm. And I think if we put more and more energy into that, this already beautiful country would become even more beautiful and even more special. Mm. You're, um, it was uh, Desmond Tutu used the phrase Ubuntu. Um, is it a Zulu phrase? I'm not sure. Um, but it, it connects to this idea in, uh, in South Africa um, and much of Africa that um, I am because you are, the interconnectedness of us. Mother Teresa said, if there's conflict, it's because we've forgotten that we belong to each other. You know, this is this sense of what you're talking about is connection and our belonging to each other and what happens to me affects you and vice versa. Uh, and, and, but be, beyond just people, also everything that's out there, our world that we live in, the environment. And you've, you're, you've got a, your latest album, um, is Songbridge, is that that's the name of yes. it? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, um, can you tell us a little bit about some of what inspired that? I mean, obviously it's coming out of a lot of these stories and bridges yeah. and connecting. And yeah, yes, uh, th there's the idea of bridges, uh, building bridges with songs and, and stories and uh, connecting people across the miles and across the generations. And um, the title track Songbridge, which I, I, I don't think I could play it right now because it's <laughs> bit nippy on the fingers here but <laughs> I, I wrote it around this guitar which is a, a guitar I saw in a photograph which was taken in 1920 and uh, it found its way into my hands because it belonged to the grandparents of Barbara who's my wife mm -hmm. and uh, this this guitar belonged to them they took a kind of a they took a stand against the Nazi mm -hmm. idea in Germany mm -hmm. and they, they paid for it but uh, they tried and the, the guitar lives on to, mm. to sing songs mm. across the generations and, and across the miles. Mm. So it's, it's a beautiful old guitar. Mm. So th there's that idea in it, but there's also the idea in, in many of the songs into ju just reconnecting people to nature mm. and, and seeing the importance of mm. taking care of it and mm. in doing so taking care of each other and all, all life mm. around us. So th that's quite a big part. Maybe one of the songs on it, if I can <laughs> It is move quite my cold fingers. for those uh, watching. We're sitting in uh, fairly nippy weather, so your fingers may not be working so well. It's like, I think there are various processes that can happen to people. If you look at a child, 
when they're born, they start going out and around the world. They're asking questions. They're full of wonder. They open every cupboard in the kitchen to see what's in there. You know, when you get a bit older, you wouldn't do that because you think you know what's in there, even though there might be stuff you don't know about. But I love the way children open things and ask questions. And then that, that sense of wonder and curiosity can be kind of knocked out of them by life. And I think that's a, a very sad thing. Or if people don't feel they're being properly, been given a voice. Mm. Uh, um, they may become angry, they may become helpless, they may even become indifferent. Mm. And I think when apathy sets in, th that's when hope is really being challenged. So I, I wrote this song to challenge that, to move, mm -hmm. try to move people. And of course, as any songwriter would say, you're not, you're not preaching to other people. You're often writing the song to remind yourself how important this is, what you're mm -hmm. saying in the song. And, but I, I, I thought I'd write the song around the idea of a yawn, you know, when people are just fed up and they go, ah, ah, oh. <laughs> That's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah, ah, Do you know? You wouldn't know. When I was young, I heard them say, no use in talking anyway. Sure, no one's gonna listen, they would say. Well, maybe this was right or wrong, or just another way to yawn. But words like this will never light our way. Ah, ah, oh, sure that's the way it goes. Ah, ah, oh, do you know you wouldn't know? were tame, the teachers wild, teacher strikes were different in those days. But some were good, I'm glad to say, their memories with me to this day. It's better asking questions than to say, ah, ah, oh, sure that's the way it goes, ah, ah, oh, do you know you wouldn't know? chance and try to try indifference is the reason why the profiteers have racked so much today the racketeers they'll sell you weapons sell you death they even sell their mother earth how happy they must be to hear us say ah, ah, oh, sure that's the way it goes ah, ah, oh, do you know you wouldn't know Christian, Hindu, Muslim, Jew, and all those words from me and you that seem to come between us every day. Divided in theology, united in our apathy, and nothing ever changes while we say, Ah, ah, oh, sure that's the way it goes. Ah, ah, oh, do you know you wouldn't know? on some empty shell without the vision or the voice to say there's more to life than buy and sell this precious earth protect it well our children will not thank us if we say ah, ah, oh, 
the way it goes. Ah, ah, oh, dear, no, you wouldn't know. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Colm, uh, we're just kind of coming to the end of our conversation. Uh, we could talk a lot about uh, a lot of things. Um, what I, what strikes me uh, about you and your work and even listen to that song, um, you're writing about apathy and, uh, and it's a, a call to, not a call to arms, but a call to activism and getting involved. Um, what are some ways that you feel we can get involved? I think for me, sometimes you, you touched on before the word environmentalism and hippies and, you know, this kind of way that working for our environment can seem like an unobtainable or something that's not really, it's difficult for people. Um, how do you feel we can start to become as a society or as individuals um, really just more animated by what's going on and activated and move beyond apathy into kind of taking steps? What steps should we take? Well, I, I think g getting involved in your own mind is the, the most mm. important thing. It's, it's very easy to say, like, why does the Green Party or that environmental fellow down the road or that mm. councillor not do something? Mm. P people have to take this on board mm. as being, uh, like, it's, of, it's vital in the real meaning of that word. It's mm. of vital importance that we protect the life systems around us. Mm. Uh, if there are a small group of people who are putting their profits first, they have to be challenged and exposed and hopefully uh, coaxed into another way of mm. looking at the world. It's very difficult because we all, well, speaking for myself, I have been traveling all over the world. It's not a very sustainable kind of thing to do. Mm. Uh, you, you know, driving around the car, which I'm very glad I have a car. I spent the first 15 years of my life walking everywhere or borrowing bicycles and things. <laughs> I mean, it's not like a whole change, but it's, it's maybe just changing the small things. Maybe walk a bit more often than drive if you're, if you're able to walk mm. and so on. But just seeing that bigger picture that we all belong to something that is much bigger than mm. us and our, our little concerns about how to turn everything around us into profit we have to question that in our own, you know, in our own hearts, I think. Mm. And um, ju just listen to those children that are going onto the streets and, and you know, trying to get, they're trying to get grown ups to act like adults, you might say. Um, you know, that kind of campaigning can lead to a sort of desperation and, and people take extreme measures to try to draw attention to this. Sometimes the measures themselves can um, make people think they're all, they're all, mm. these people are all mad. Mm. You know, like, for example, in the Houses of Parliament, some people glued themselves to mm. the viewing mm. gallery mm. without all that many clothes mm. on them, if any, mm -hmm. apart from a, mm. a tube of... Uh, Blue. Mm. Uh, but whatever way the attention is going to be drawn, I, th I think it, it, has, it has to be done. And we, we all can play a part in that. We do elect people to speak for us mm. at local level and at a higher level as well. J just have conversations with those people and bearing in mind that they will have these objectors, I, I call them objectors, the people who object to the laws that are put in place mm. to protect the environment. Mm. They will have those people 
in their ears, you know, mm. could you work this for us? Mm. Could we, could we build? Mm. I mean, we need to build houses, of course. People mm. need to find houses to live in. But mm. I'm, I'm talking more about the person who's thinking of building for the sake of building. And a, a, there's a kind of epidemic of concrete diarrhea, I might mm. call it, where they're pouring concrete mm. all over the place. Mm. Um, not always needed. Often it is, but not always. And Again, if, if you're in the, if, you, if you're all set up to, to do a lot of building, you'll want to keep building. Uh, if you're set up for, as I said earlier, mm. selling weapons, you need, mm. you need people fighting. Uh, yes. It's very clearly to be seen in America, where the, mm. the power of the, the arms, uh, mm. the, the rifle association, and all that. But yeah, just think about it. Talk to children. Listen to children, um, and just go and have a look at what's going on. Mm. We, we live in a wo world of wonder and each one of us mm. is a wonder within that world. Mm. Mm. Well, Colm Sands, thanks so much for taking time to talk and, uh, and sing songs. Uh, there's, there's so many more. Um, you've mentioned a couple of websites that people can visit. Um, your own website if, to buy your music it's on your own website is yes it? What's just that? my name colum sands c-o-l-u-m yeah. sands dot com dot com uh, and you can find the music there you can if you're into the cds you can buy them there or you can download the music as well if that's your yeah. preference cds i've heard of them those are old-fashioned very things, quaint and very <laughs> wonderful i still prefer them to yeah. the compressed music that yeah. we download uh, but you yes, know it's yeah. whatever people want yeah yeah okay <laughs> well colin thanks so much you're a great neighbor and a good friend uh, great, for your great time. to meet you here today johnny thank you yeah good um yeah.